0: Sometimes, uh, as, a, as a pastor, I feel a little bit like Jude. He, he, he opens his letter saying, I really wanted to talk to you about our common salvation, but I've got this other thing that's bothering me, and I've got to give some time to it. And uh, I, I feel somewhat that way. I was I was planning to after Barnabas, and I still plan to. I'd like to take a look at the church, especially in light of the, the, the disruptions that have happened over the last year, and uh, the integration of, and, and I, I'm, I'm kind of getting sick of reading it. Most of you probably don't read these kind of things, but I read a lot of blogs about pastoring or churches and things like that, and how churches can do this and that, and pastor, if you're not doing this, you're a failure kind of a thing, and uh, I'm sure every industry has those, you know, blogs on how to be a lawyer and things like that, but But the experts that are out there, they're telling us that a certain percentage of people who are in the church aren't coming back, you know, and and it's just the the pandemic and the lockdowns and all the things that we experienced over the last year and a half now have just accelerated what we would have probably seen in 10 years time. And so, you know, now the thing that they're saying is uh, online is here to stay. And I'd like to look at the church and what does it mean to have church online? Are we even a church in cyberspace? I had a professor once wrote a book called The Soul in Cyberspace, and that was before the internet became a household activity. What happens to the soul in cyberspace? What happens to the body of Christ if we are not physical with one another? Together, So I'd like to look at those things, but at the same time, I feel like I'm almost missing the point if we don't acknowledge the world around us today. And and what is going on in the world? And how do we as Christians properly respond to these things? Uh, Many of you know that I was in the hospital back in July, and uh, no. I'll, I'll answer the same question that everybody that came into my hospital room asked me no i did not have the vaccine and if that angers you i'm sorry i didn't have it and i got sick and and let me tell you there's about a three percent chance that if you get it you'll end up in the hospital that means that there were a ton of people who got covid at the same time i did who didn't go to the hospital i just had the short straw i got to go and uh, because of that, I don't know if you've noticed, maybe it hits me a little bit closer to home, but there are people in America today talking about and, and seriously advocating that those who don't have the vaccine should not be given medical care. There are doctors today that are saying, I will not see patients that do not have the vaccine. Regardless of the fact of whether or not they have antibodies, just not going to see them. Now up in New York City, have you seen this? That New York, you can't go into a restaurant unless you have proof, a card that says, I have been properly vaccinated. Regardless of what you think about vaccines, whether you're for it or against it, I'm assuming the majority of the church has it. Um, My parents both have it. Most of the people I know have it that are older than I am. I have nothing against people having it. Some I, I think it's a very wise thing. It just happens to have not been what I felt I needed to do as I, as I approached it with the Lord. So maybe it hits a little bit closer, but the idea that people are actively suggesting in America today that if you don't have a vaccine card that is legal and, and that you should carry one wherever you go, that you shouldn't be able to travel You shouldn't be allowed to be on an airplane. You shouldn't be allowed to go to the grocery store. You shouldn't be allowed to go to restaurants. And that's what's happening in New York right now is if you do not have the proper identification, you can't go into a restaurant. Now, I'm not saying we are to the levels of Nazi Germany, to the Jews. We're not there yet. We're not even close. But let me ask you something. If... if If this idea is allowed to grow in America, if this idea is allowed to to grow and and this idea is not germane to us, where will we get? Will we get to the point where you have to have proper identification to, to shop, to buy or sell goods? What does that sound like to you? There are some people that are so worried about this because, you know, the, when I was a kid, we thought it was going to be barcodes, right? Everybody was going to get a barcode. And there was even a Pearl Jam song that the music video had babies getting stamped on their foreheads with barcodes, okay? Uh, but nowadays, everybody's worried about chips, right? And, and they can put it in your hand, or they, can, they could just put it on your forehead and you could get scanned. It's no different than our thermometer checks right now. I'm not saying it's the mark of the beast, because I, I firmly believe it is not. But it sure does rhyme. It sure does rhyme. When we can get to the point where y- you have to live a certain way or do certain things that the government tells you to do, or we're just not going to allow you to live. We don't care if you get medical care. We don't care if you travel. We don't care if you get groceries. Are we as the church ready for this? Or are we still asleep? And that's, that's something that, that I've been struggling with. Because I feel like for the better part of the last year, year and a half, we have been, not, not necessarily we here, but we here and we, the church in America and even the world maybe, have been sleepwalking. That we're just going about our business, same old, same old. Not only that, but the the church would actually participate in these actions and say, if you don't wear the right thing over your face, you know, it was the masks a year ago, if you don't have a mask, you can't come to worship. We never said that, but there were places that did. We never said that, but there were people within us who wanted to say that. We as a body never said that. But we struggled with that. And now it's going to be, well, if you don't have your vaccination card, you can't come to church in some places. Because we're just going along to get along. I think it would be easier for us if we were a church that had grown up in a place like Afghanistan with the Taliban. You know, or Syria, or Egypt. Those kind of places, the church church understands where it stands. But but because we are in America, and because America was largely founded by believers who were escaping religious persecution, I think we're kind of just asleep because America is a Christian nation. And America has Judeo-Christian values, and America would never do. Fill in the blank. Not only would America do that, whatever you say America would never do, America's already done that. And all you need to do is go back to Jim Crow laws, where people couldn't travel, they couldn't go certain places, they couldn't go into buildings, they couldn't shop certain things. America's already done that. You don't think America can do it again? We're just going to change who we do it to. And so thinking about that and wrestling with that and what do we do as believers? I'm kind of nervous and especially with this whole, the the vaccine, I'm not saying the vaccine is the mark of the beast. I am not. Uh, It's it's a healthy thing that will help people, all right? Um, I I am kind of wondering what the long-term range effects are. But in the short term, it's been proven. If you have it, chances are you're not going to get COVID, and if you do, chances are your symptoms aren't going to be as bad as they could have been. That's at least the common wisdom today. Uh, But this attitude that you have to have it, or we're not going to let you go to the store. You have to have it, or you're not going to be able to keep your job as the mandates are rolling out. If you're okay with that, and if you're going along and you don't see a problem with that because you've already got the vaccine... My only question is, is, if the mark of the beast ever does come, will you recognize it before you've got it? Or will you finally wake up and realize it is here before it's, after it's too late? And, and I mean that in sincerity. I, I ask that of myself. Will I recognize when these things are happening? Or will I wake up and realize it's already happened? And it feels sometimes like the church is asleep and we're not going to realize what's happening until it's already happened. That's one of the reasons why a year ago I was, I, I was not receptive to the uh, requirement to wear people wear masks. Well, where, what, what will this lead us to? If we accept this, what will the next thing we'll, we will accept? And if we accept that, what will be the next thing? And before you know it, you're accepting things you never would have accepted in the first place. And you'll walk there gradually. Now, there's a difference between choosing to wear it because you feel like it is a good thing to do and another thing to say you have to wear it. So let me just be clear. I am talking about the requirement of making everybody do something. That's what I'm focused on. And so as I've thought about that and I've wrestled with that. One of the, the, the feelings I came up to and, and, and wanted to, to look at today comes from Ephesians chapter 5, and, and it's verse we're going to look at the, the verses 1 through 20, but we're not going to look at them in order. So if you go with me to, to 14, Ephesians 5, 14. Now Paul says, for this reason it says, and I have looked up the cross references for this, and it doesn't say this anywhere. But it, what he's doing is saying, you know, there are other things that say things like this. But he is probably quoting from memory or his own thoughts, and sometimes we remember things different than they're written. Uh, but several times in Isaiah, there's this idea of awaken. Awaken from the dead. Wake up. And that's what he says. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil, or troublesome, you might say, for evil. It's not that the days are, are, are wicked in and of themselves, but that we have much trouble in the days and we have, uh, we have to be ready for it. Awake, O sleeper! Arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Now you notice um, he says, for this reason. And so it's, it's kind of not fair to start it there. You kind of feel like you need to know what's the reason? Why do we need to awake? Why do we need to arise from the dead? Why do we need to be careful how we walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of our time? I, I don't know about you, but the last uh, year or so, at times I felt out of time, like nothing mattered. Maybe that was the, the effects of the lockdown, but do you ever have just a feeling like there was no point in, in planning for anything? There was no point in trying to... In, Uh, uh, save up. There was no point because you just didn't know what the future was going to hold. You didn't know what was going to come and so you feel like there was no time. And instead he says to make the most of our time because the days are evil and we need to walk not as unwise but as wise people To, to think about how we walk. To walk in the Hellenistic or not Hellenistic, in the Hebraic sense, the, the Jewish sense, is to talk about how we live our lives. How do we live our lives, is what he's talking about when he says, walk as wise people. Live your life with wisdom, not as unwise people, is what he is saying there. So, what's the reason? Well, if we go back to Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 5, he tells us For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So because of covetous idolatry and those behaviors that, uh, that the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. It says, therefore, do not be partakers with them. Don't be joint participants. Don't go along with them. Don't go along with the ones of the world who are the sons of disobedience, who are, are immoral or impure or covetous idolaters. And that word idolatry, and, and what is idolatry? It's it's something that we make, that we say is God. We form it, we make it, and then we say it's God. And not only that, uh, you know, the 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 way that an idolatrous system works is that you use the idol for your own purposes. If you're the gatekeeper, the priest, you know, if you need something, well, then you make the god say it, and then everybody has to do it. And I feel at times that this, this is what we have become. Now America seems very irreligious these days, right? Uh, there's, there's a re- mass rejection of Christianity and of Jesus. That doesn't mean everybody gave up religion. They've just changed the name. They've just changed their God. They've just changed how they worship. I want just think about the, the news articles you've seen or, or read. What is the primary thing? there There are certain words. There are the buzzwords of the new religion. One of them is experts. Experts, you could just say priest. Anytime you hear the word expert, you could just fill in the word priest and see if that doesn't make everything else sound like a proclamation from on high. Who's the expert? Who made them an expert? What is the background for their expertise? Why should we all of a sudden listen just because expert but you see you use the word expert so that we stop thinking because they're an expert i need to listen to them right expert and i think the 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 idol that we have in in america today and i know this is going to rub people the wrong way this word called science now hear me out science is a good thing we have done great things with science over the years The scientific method is a marvel. But somewhere recently, we got the idea that science ruled everything. And that as long as the science is settled, we can't discuss it anymore. Whoever came up with such an idea? Jesus settled life and death for all on the cross and then out of the tomb. We still discuss it. But no, no, science is settled. And and as you think about the different people who use science, well, the science says. Replace those proclamations and take out science and put Dagog. Just for fun of it. You can put any name you want to put. The priests say Dagog is settled. Dagog says we must do this. That's pretty much what we're hearing today. The experts say the science is settled. The science says we must do this. It just doesn't sound like idolatry because it doesn't have the religious trappings of it, but everything of the emotions and the attitudes and the actions of the people that are caught up in it, it's it's idolatry. We're taking something man-made, The study of the physical world to try to understand God better. To try to understand how did God create everything. And whereas traditional scientists would be marveling at, wow, look at what God did. And even saying, hey, you know what guys? All this time we always thought that the sun revolved around the earth. Guess what? The evidence points to the fact that the earth revolves around the sun. Isn't that amazing? What has God done here? And, of course, we all know what happened to (laughs) Galileo. He was imprisoned, and he was told he can't say these things because the science was settled, and the sun definitely revolves around the earth. So he better shut up and keep quiet. It's settled. We're not discussing it anymore. But something that has been good, we have turned it into a tool to misuse. And it has become idolatry. And he is telling us, no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. We can't let these things that we create become in the place of God. He is over all. Everything else is under him. And unless we have that attitude, we're going to go the wrong direction. And the sad fact is that the majority of people who are making decisions today that are affecting our lives do not believe God is above all. They reject Him. They reject creation by Him. They believe in a faulty theory of evolution. And yet we listen. Yet we follow. Why? The wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So don't be deceived with their empty words. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. And he even tells us, for you were formerly darkness. We used to walk in those ways. We used to be part of the world. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now we just had sons of disobedience. Now we're seeing children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Have you felt over the last year that people aren't really focused on truth? Because how do we find the truth? Well, we throw a bunch of ideas out and we see which ones actually work. Right? Over time. But when we're told we can't talk about certain things or certain ideas are dangerous, we're in a dangerous place. The fruit of light consists in goodness and righteousness and truth. And so we are trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Walk as children of light, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. <laughs> that we're, we're as, We as believers in Christ are supposed to be exposing the wickedness of the world. Exposing the deeds of darkness and not participating in them. He says, "...for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret." But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, awake, sleeper, arise from the dead. And so now we see where where the idea of awake comes from. When when we're talking about light, you know, when the light shines, what do we do? We wake up. When the sun comes up and the world is bathed in light, what do we do? We awaken. We awaken. And that's what's supposed to happen. As we are walking in the light, we should be awake. The light should guide us and show us what is true and what is false. It's it's acceptable and it's understandable why the world will follow false things. They're in the darkness. They like the darkness. They do not want the light. But for children of light, we should be able to see the difference. We should awake and be able to say, that's not true that's taking me from God. That's leading me away from Christ. How do we walk with wisdom? Ephesians chapter 5 began in verse 1, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Again, this idea, you know, children of light, children of God, sons of disobedience. Which are we? Are we children of disobedience or are we children of the light, children of God? Which are we? Walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Walk in love as as children of God, that we would walk in love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a sacrifice, a fragrant aroma. So so what we're seeing in Ephesians chapter 5 is there is definitely a split between the darkness and the light. There's a split between the world and those of Christ. Sons of disobedience and children of God. And what we're being called to do as believers is to not walk and be partakers of the world, not to participate with them, not to go along with them in their idolatry, but to even expose it. And yet in the last year, the churches that did not go along with the idolatry were ridiculed, not just in the news, but in Christian press. Even though they've since then received uh, awards from the courts because the state overstepped its bounds. Overwhelmingly, what the church has really done is it stayed quiet and, and asked itself, how can we get the world to like us? How can we get the world to love us? And that's never what Jesus called us to do. That's never what Jesus did. Jesus didn't show up saying, what can I do to get the Pharisees to love me? What can I do to get the Sanhedrin to love me? What what actions, what teachings should I do that will make them happy? Wasn't on his agenda. No, he confronted them with light. He confronted them with truth, with righteousness. He showed them that their actions were from darkness, and that's what he calls us to do. And and so what what Paul is encouraging the church to do is we need to be wise in how we walk. We need to think about how we walk, that that we need to be careful to walk with Christ and not the world, that we need to be careful to make sure. And I, I... We do need to be careful. It takes thought. It is so easy to get caught up with the world and to walk with the world. We need to be careful. We need to ask ourselves, am I walking with Christ or am I walking with the world? Am I doing this because of my walk with Christ? Now, now we might end up doing different things as believers. Some believers might end up going down a certain path. Another believer would not go. And they are going down that path walking with Christ. Christ. I'm not saying that there's only, you know, if you're not walking the same way I'm walking, you're obviously walking with the world. What I am saying is we need to ask ourselves, what are we doing? We need to look at ourselves and say, am I walking with Christ? Or am I walking with the world? Am I going along to get along because it's easier? Or am I willing to stand for Christ? Because we are nowhere close as a church as, as, as a in America to churches that are suffering things like in Afghanistan or in China where pastors are thrown into prison, where pastors' families are thrown into prison for only having uh, to, to, to be part of his family, where churches are regularly rounded up, where government officials are constantly watching them. We're not ready for that, are we? We're nowhere close to being ready for it. We're going to go along with the government when they tell us to. We're going to shut our churches down when they tell us it's for our own health. You know, I always wondered. Did you ever wonder, the the Bible talks about believers, their faith growing cold, and uh, this whole mark of the beast. I always wondered, who would ever get it? And and I don't actually truly firmly believe that it's a literal mark, uh, but that's a story for another time. But as a kid, that's what I understood. And I always wondered, How would they do it? Now I know. They'll tell us it's for not your health, but their health. And if you love them, you'll get it. And a whole bunch of people will say, sign me up. Not even thinking. Like steer or sheep, they're just following the one in front of them, following the one in front of them, following the one in front of them, following the one in front of them until something happens on their forehead they didn't even know what happened and they don't know what's happening after that we're just going to go along we've proven it in the last year we're going to just go along we've got to wake up and be careful to walk with christ and not the world are we ready for the world to say uh, for america to say you can't go shopping if you don't have this What's our heart attitude going to be? Are we going to care about the people who, for one reason or another, do not have the vaccine? Or are we going to have a heart that says, get the vaccine, you can go to the grocery store. I'm not going to help you. What is our heart attitude going to be? You know, in America, you've got people that are putting junk in their arms. They go to the hospital. Their nurses care for them just like everybody else. It doesn't matter that they were shooting themselves up. They take care of them. But I have family that had family in the hospital and for seven days they weren't given anything because they hadn't bothered to be vaccinated. So we don't care about them. Let him die. I thank God I was in Texas. I thank God I went to Baylor and not those other hospitals. But they are there and they are treating people that way today in America. And I'm asking us to wake up. It's happening. We've never been so callous. Well, I take that back. America has been in my life. We haven't been. I've only been around for a short little while. How do we walk with Christ? How do we be wise? How do we live? And you know, and, and here's a here's a question for you know some of you on the uh, the other side of things. You know, I've been kind of. Harping on the, uh, you know, going along with the government. How do we not go along with the government? Huh? Armed insurrection, is that the answer? Are you, are you prepared and ready to, to fight against your fellow man if they're going to push you around and force you to do things you don't agree with? What's the What's the response? What's the response? Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, it says, Immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. You know, the world is acting in a certain way. We are not to act in that way. Not in response to them. Not in our own ways. No immorality or impurity or greed. And the word greed is covetousness, the thing that the, the idolater is, is talked about being that we should not have, that he won't get into the kingdom of heaven. There must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. So instead of a bunch of negative behavior, and instead of acting like the world, what should be among us is an attitude of thanksgiving. And then uh, later on in verse 17, after the whole um, you know, the days are evil. Make the most of your time. We have, so then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What is His will for us? What's His will for us to live? Is, it, is His will for us to survive by any means possible? What is His will for us? Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now this has been used to say, see... Drinking's bad. Don't get drunk. No. Do you know what being drunk is in the Bible? If you go back to Proverbs, do you know what drinking is about? The king uh, is told in in Proverbs chapter 31 It is not for you, O king, it is not for you to drink wine and to forget the decrees that have been made. Give it to him whose life is miserable. Give it to the ones who are suffering that they may drink and forget. Their sorrows. Don't get drunk. While, yes, it is not good to get drunk, doesn't mean stay away from alcohol. What it means is don't try to make yourself where you don't care. Don't try to make it where you forget what's going on. Don't try to just zone out from the world. Don't try to get to a place don't care about things where it doesn't matter. Don't get drunk, which is dissipation. Don't get to where the point where you forget what's going on. No, deal with reality around you. Deal with what is going on. Mostly, you know, alcoholism is a disease, and its primary driver is trying to, any, any real addiction is trying to cope with the world. And you don't have good coping mechanisms, and so you use this be it alcohol, be it drugs, be it food. There are a lot of things that we use. If you ever find yourself in the pantry eating random food because you don't know why, and then you realize you're stressed, guess what? You just found your answer to alcohol. Some people, they get stressed and they go to drinking. Some people, they go to peanuts. Peanuts and pretzels, and ho-hos, and Twinkies. It's a way of coping. And he says, don't get drunk. Don't get to where you're forgetting what's going on. Don't use these other coping mechanisms here, but be filled with the Spirit. Instead Instead of numbing yourself to the world, fill up on the Holy Spirit so that you can see truly and then, once we're full of the Holy Spirit, what do we do? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord that we would encourage one another through praise and worship. You know, when the early church was being taken into the, the, the circus and being fed to the lions and being put up on crosses and burned alive so they would light the streets, they sang to one another. They encouraged each other. It made the Romans mad. They could not understand, why are they singing? People got sick to their stomachs. People who were used to watching gladiators fight it to the death, who were used to watching slaves being fed to the animals, they became sick because they weren't watching people running in fear. They watched people singing praises while they were destroyed. And it turned their stomachs. They could have handled it if the people had run away. They would have enjoyed that. But no, they're singing. This is awful. That was the church's answer to encourage one another with praise to God, singing melody in their hearts to the Lord, and then always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even Father. There it is again, giving thanks. Nowhere did he say, make sure you have a good arsenal and you got plenty of ammo, take care of things. Doesn't say it. My heart say I, now my sinful nature, that's what I want to do. But the longer I've walked with the Lord, the more I've felt that is not the answer. That is not the Christian answer. When they come, what will you do? Christ have you do. What is walking with Christ who, who offered himself as a sacrifice? A fragrant aroma. What will you do if you walk with Christ? That, that picture from the, uh, the beginning, that's a picture uh, of the painting of um, the story of Peter is, is that when Nero was persecuting the, the Christians in Rome, Peter got away. And he was on the road leading out of Rome. And as he was going out, he had a vision of Christ walking back. And that's what that picture is, is the, the vision of Christ passing Peter. And the story goes that Peter says, where are you going, Lord? And Jesus answered, I am going to Rome to be crucified again. And supposedly, according to legend, this isn't scriptural, this is legend. But according to the legend, Peter understood that meant it was his time to go back to Rome. and So he walked back to Rome. Where he was arrested, and where one day they took him and they led him where he did not want to go, and they said, we're going to crucify you. And according to legend again, Peter, or Peter said, I don't deserve to die the way Jesus died. And so the Romans fixed it for him. And they put him on a cross upside down. And they killed him. And that, that picture of, of Peter walking out of Rome and Jesus going in, That's Jesus saying, walk this way. I'm going to Rome to be crucified again. And Peter turned around and walked back. He was scot-free, but he walked back according to legend. We're not called to to fight. We're not called to defend ourselves physically. We're not called to make it a, a Christian nation. None of those things are what we are called to do. We are called to walk in truth, acknowledging the reality of the world around us, and in reliance upon God. We are called to walk in truth and reliance upon God, that we would encourage one another as as things go bad, as maybe some of us aren't able to shop anymore, if that could happen. And and I know what you're thinking, oh, that's not going to happen anytime soon. I'll probably not be around if that ever happens. That's never going to happen in America. Well, it it happened in Hong Kong two years ago. And Hong Kong was supposed to be its own place until 2034. But the Chinese got tired of waiting. And we live in a country today that is taking more cues from the communist government of China than it is from its own founding documents. So don't tell me it can't happen anytime soon. It's amazing how quickly. Don't you remember a year ago? How quickly we all just stayed home? Wasn't it amazing how quickly we did that? Don't tell me it can't happen quickly. It could happen quicker and sooner than we think. Are we ready to walk in truth when that happens? Are we ready to rely upon God when that happens? Are we willing and ready to say no this is what Jesus has called me to do? I can't do those other things. Or are we so compromised that when the time comes, we won't realize we're doing them. We won't wake up until it's too late. I want to encourage you today to see the world around you and just to ask, are we doing things according to God? Or are we doing them according to some other God. And how am I living? Am I walking with Christ or am I walking with the world? Am I ready to walk with Christ if the world goes the wrong direction? Am I willing to encourage and build up the believers around me and even those that don't know Jesus around me through praise of God and reliance upon Him? I think that's what we're called to as believers. To trust in Him. To rely upon Him. To walk with Him. I pray we awaken in time. Heavenly Father, we thank You for calling us as Your children. We were. We were people in the darkness. We were going along with the darkness. And You have called us out to the light. And we pray, Lord, that You would help us to walk in the light, just as John says. That we would walk in the light because You are in the light. And that we would allow the light of of Christ to expose those things that are bad in our lives, to expose those things that are good, to help us to walk with You. Lord, we ask that You would check our hearts. Are we angry right now? Are we full of malice towards others? Or are we envious maybe? or even greedy for things that we don't have, Lord, we pray that You would forgive us. That You would show them to us, confront us with them, that we would uh, repent. Lord, help us to, to see the world not as Americans or Texans, but as Christians, as little Christ, as those who follow Jesus, who, who have placed their faith in Him and no one else. Lord, help us to make decisions to walk wisely based on Your Word and not the the passing wind of the different ideas that the world makes that come from one side once and then another side the next day. Help us to stand on the rock of Christ. And Father, we pray that we would rely upon You for our health, for our provision, for our future. May we trust in You and give thanks for all that You do. In all things, even those that are bad, may we give thanks to You. And we pray, Father, if there's anyone here today who does not know Jesus in such a way that they trust in Him, Lord, we pray that You would open their eyes, open their heart to see Him, to know their need for a Savior, and to believe in Him. We ask, Father, these things in Jesus' name. Amen.